beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. You know I love all things personal growth and development. It is very often a topic of conversation here at 10 Things to Tell You. And my guest today, Kevin Miller, he invited me on his show last spring to talk about the Life Council. And Kevin and I had such a fantastic discussion on his show that I knew I wanted to bring him here onto 10 Things to Tell You to talk to you. And our conversation on his show, which is called The Self-Helpful Podcast, isn't that a great name for a show? Kevin mentioned that he had a book coming out, and I couldn't wait to read it. Y'all, this book was the exact message that I needed to hear at the exact right time. You may remember last month that I recorded a birthday episode in part about how I have come to understand that I am a driven person in need of a destination. And so all of that was already swirling around in my head this summer as I'm doing a lot of resetting in my life. I'm doing a lot of evaluation of different areas of my life. All of that was in the background as I read Kevin's new book titled, What Drives You?, which is all about discovering the authentic drive that already exists within us. It was everything that I needed to hear in this season of my life. Kevin and I discussed what creates our authentic drive, how we are shaped by our upbringing, and how our purpose changes as we age. We also delve into what it looks like to re-examine our values and motivations, the inherent vulnerability of that process, and the difference in measuring the journey versus the destination. 
Kevin Miller is a former pro athlete. He's a respected personal development guide, a top-ranking podcast host, published author, and father of nine who has devoted himself to helping people elevate their personal experience and improve the way that they show up for others. I got so much out of my conversation with Kevin Miller, and I think you will, too. Kevin, welcome to 10 Things to Tell You. Hey, I am so excited to be here and to get to talk with you again. It was a thrill to have you on my show. Now to be here is just icing on the cake. I loved our conversation for your show back in the spring. We were talking about the Life Council, which is friendship-based, and we had such a good conversation that when you said you were putting a book out... I couldn't wait to read it. And let me tell you this. I would normally would say this in the middle of the show or later in the show, but I'm just going to start us off with this because it's really important to me. I believe that certain messages come into our life at like the right time. Sometimes we get a message and it doesn't hit. And so it just flows right through us and it you know doesn't make a difference. And then sometimes we can hear that same message or an adjacent message and it's exactly when we need to hear it. And we just like experience that message in a totally different way. And that is how I felt about your book around what drives us and what motivates us because listeners of the show here will know that I did a birthday episode this summer really talking about how I have tried so hard to like just be and find peace and all of these things. And I've come to the conclusion that I am a naturally driven person and I need a destination. I cannot just be and be still and find peace and all of those other messages. Like I need a destination. I work better that way. I feel better in my spirit when I have a destination, when I feel like I'm on a path. And so when I read your book about what drives us and motivation and purpose, it was exactly the message I needed to hear. That's what I'm getting at. So thank you for writing that. I, uh, you know, that's a thrill to hear for any author putting something out. And I, you know, in all honesty, that's why I had you on my show. I mean, you know, your agents or whoever sent me the book. And I said, I've been, I've been concerned about this, thinking about this for so long and I've never seen anything on it. And here it is, you wrote the book. <laughs> and so I, I, I think I mentioned it in an email to you recently that I, it was just this past weekend, I was talking with my wife about it and about how about the concept and she gets it and how we, we went wrong with that. We put so much focus just on each other and our marriage and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, expecting the other to be everything. And I've done that with friends too. And your book, uh, I've talked with it uh, about it with my friend group. And so it's something that I am walking out. I, I needed to understand it more. And so I feel you. So thank you, Laura. I love that. Okay, so before we talk about your book, actually, and and beyond your book, just your podcast, the work that you're doing in the world, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience and sort of tell us like who you are, what you're about, how we got here? Well, at this point, I'm the drive guy. Uh, that's, that's what <laughs> I'm quickly being known for. But for a long time, I've been doing podcasting. And gosh, you know, I, the long story short, I grew up in personal development. I grew up with a dad who was born to Amish parents, literally. And he came out of that and he sought psychology and personal development. And I ended up as a kid at Zig Ziglar conferences and Brian Tracy and all the big names. And, and so I grew up taking personality profiles and figuring yourself out and going for performance. I, I became a professional cyclist. And then I started, you know, lots of business and it was about being driven. And, uh, that part I, I like that part I'm proud or I appreciate, I'm proud of. I love driven people like you, Laura. 
Uh, they're inspiring. They lift it. However, and part of my book too is drive alone doesn't cure everything. And I had to come to grips with some burnout and some mm. bitterness and some things where I was driving, where I wasn't clear on what was driving me. So I was driven, but I didn't know what was driving me. You know, so that's two things that I pull out in the book is, you know, one, that myth of some people are driven and some are not, which I think we've all experienced is, is, is untrue because we've seen somebody or experienced it where they went from undriven to driven in a minute when they had a trigger, like, Hey, mm -hmm. you know what, if you don't change things, you're going to die or, or just a slow dawning that this isn't working out. But the other one is that drive fixes everything. And it was a hard, hard reality for me to learn that I was driving and not real clear on what was driving me and sometimes mm -hmm. not clear on what the direction was kind of, and those are kind of joined together. You know, I thought I knew the direction, but I had a drive, a hidden one back here that was sabotaging me because it was taking me somewhere else. Man, I was uh, really humbling to realize. And I see it though, with so many people, especially folks like us, you know, who are driven and you're, you're getting really good fulfillment in one area and in some other areas you're frustrated. The math's not working the same. And that's, that can cause people to, to burn out or quit or, other rash things. All of what you're saying resonates because I feel like a little bit that's where I am this summer. That's what my birthday episode was about. I am driven. I like to have a destination. I like to feel like I'm on the right path, but I'm not exactly sure what the drive is. I don't know what my triggers are exactly. Like yeah. I don't know if I have been sabotaged off onto a different path and I'm convincing myself it's the right one. Like I'm really trying to get a lot of clarity around that. I think that's why the book really spoke to me because you go through in the book these different types of motivations like um, health, relationships, mind, and then family, like you mentioned. So actually, let's start yeah. with the family piece. Yeah because I think that it really matters. You have a whole chapter or whole section that talks about how, how you grow up with your parents, like you just mm -hmm. mentioned, or your community, your culture, your region maybe can very much affect how we are driven, how we think about success, how we think about money, how we think about like, I don't think you use this word, but like laziness or so, you know what I mean? Like how we think about productivity, I guess. Can you say more about that? Because that really matters. And if you grew up in, you said you grew up around parents who are super into personal development, that yeah. that really matters in what you're doing now. And it of course made me examine how I grew up also. It's, I, I feel like it's, it seems somewhat elementary to talk about. Yeah, of course you're influenced by your past, but I, 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 I believe we miss it. That's when I started really digging into it and see that uh, we don't give it the gravity that it has. And and two pieces, and they're the first two points that I take us through in every section you know, of the book, like relationships. And first is our genetics, which I don't like that. I don't like that there's something back there in the past that may have an influence on me at all. And getting into the research, I just couldn't deny it. So I still don't like it, but I have to accept it in some of the areas of my life where I look and go, I, it doesn't make sense that this is so hard for me. And I really somewhat attribute it to that. I think there must be something in my past. Now, I'm not going to use that as a crutch. I'm going to say, yeah, I, apparently I have a little bit of a deficit or a weakness there. So I'm just going to need to take affirmative action in some way in that area. But at least I've kind of got it out on the table and just admit it's just a hard area for me. And, and it must, mm -hmm. maybe it's something in my past. But then the one on your environment and that upbringing programming, you know, L Laura, it was on a show um, probably a month ago, maybe more where I wish I had written about this more in, in the book. And I think I hit on it, but I, I could have done it even more justice that, you know, we think that 
especially in our youth, that we come out of our home, our home of origin, whatever that is. We come out, we go to school or work or whatever, and we think, ah, all right, I'm gone. I'm free. I am now I'm, I'm Kevin. I'm going to be me, you know, the true blue me. I'm ready. I'm going to start from zero and, and become who I am. No, you're not. You're so programmed. You're completely programmed. You're like an entire operating system already set. And you're coming from so many, every belief you have, every thought you have is influenced, even to the aspect of, you know, you hear people who went forward and became just like their parents or the ones who said, well, I'm not doing that. I'm rebelling and going hundred percent the other way. Both are a reaction to mm-hmm. your parents or your upbringers or caregivers or whatever. Again, you're not coming out free uh, in this at all. And I'm working with that with my own kids I'm going, guys, I'm so sorry. I, I have brainwashed you. I don't know how not to, I can't expose <laughs> you to everything. You know, I can't, I can't hide my values and I don't want to, but now we've got to get everything you had, put it out on the table and you've got some work to do to, to, uh, disengage from that somewhat and audit it and go, what do you believe? What do you want? Not that you were brought up with. And that's hard to do. I feel like it's my saving grace, you know, I can have with my kids right now, but I think we don't realize how profound that is. And if we don't really look at it front and center, then we end up, you know, in, in our fifties or sixties or whatever. And we're still just a product of that early on programming that I don't think we can ever get rid of, but I have seen that we can program a lot more stuff on there and maybe never go back to that original stuff. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook, as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax, but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. 
with artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B O R N, shoes, S H O E S. Dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Yeah, I think it is interesting to think about, I feel like I am one of those people who lives in reaction to my parents in some ways and that I, I yeah. purposely tried to do some things different. And I had great parents. They grew up poor both of them and in Oklahoma. So, so culturally and then generationally, like there's a lot of stuff there that I, you know, made a choice to, to change up in my life and do really differently. But even when you make that choice consciously, it's the stuff is still there. Like you're saying, that's still in reaction to like, you're still, you're still carrying that burden, if you will. And acknowledging it instead of saying like, oh, I, I broke that cycle or I'm done with that or whatever. I mean, hopefully we are evolving in a positive manner, but that stuff still does carry forward. And that was something for me to really think about. It's something for me to think about now, for sure. Yeah. There's several examples in your book, I feel like, of of what we're talking about here. And I actually love that you speak throughout your book or write throughout your book about you and and where you came from and how this is affecting your parenting. So I thought that that was a, a good, some good examples that you gave, because I think a lot of us, we think, oh, we're doing it differently than our parents. And so we're going to pass on this better thing to our kids. Right. And I feel like you were very candid with like, that's what you thought you were doing. And then sometimes they were, you know, they were like, yeah, this isn't, this doesn't work for me. How do you think that the drive that this that that this idea like has maybe done well or maybe misfired in your own parenting with your own kids because this is just all of us trying to figure out our place in the world, right? Yeah, I, I totally hear you. I mean, again, you know, I think some of it initially was my reaction to I want to be different than my parents, but then realizing there's a lot of stuff that I got that I took forward and, and embraced. And man, it was it was interesting for us, Laura. We had three kids originally and thought we were done, and then had a decent gap, and then had bunch more kids and (laughs) being able to see, yeah, being able to see some of the fruition, you know, with our older kids and go, huh, not sure that that premise worked out the way that we thought. And so we got to parent the the other kids differently and make those changes. And now, especially, you know, now I still got my oldest is 28. My youngest is still 11 and I can hear the 28 year old and they'll say, you know what, this is how I experienced X that you guys did. And and I like that, or I did not like that, or that helped me or that hurt me. And we're, we're a pretty in-depth, uh, you know, intimate family in that way. And they, even the, some of the older kids have strong opinions. Um, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I don't agree how that's working out with X, whatever their younger sibling over here. So we're pretty open with that. And again, I feel like it's, it's such a redeeming grace to be able to do that and to talk to the kids and also to say, man, we're figuring it out still. We do not know how to do this perfectly. And, you know, what drove me back when I first started parenting is not what drives me 
now. Uh, it, some of it, I, I shouldn't, I, obviously there's some things that do, but it's changed a lot. Even my views on, you know, on discipline and on, you know, obedience and some of those things. And it's, it's, it's dicey stuff because people can get their panties in a wad when you start get talking into that. And I, but I look at some things and, you know, I'll see, I'll, I'll see how I do it so much different. And some of it's just, you know, we don't know what we don't know. I think that's the most mm-hmm. dangerous thing. So yeah, my drive or my why has changed a lot, which is the heart of, you know, our, our drive is, is driven by what motivates us, which is our why, which I think, uh, at the core is our values. What do we value? And even those have changed for me in a lot of areas, Laura. Do you feel like that it has changed because of like, almost like factors you can't control, like aging, the world has changed, you know, outside factors, or has, is it natural to change? Like, I guess the root of what I'm asking is, hmm. Is it okay for your why, if you feel like you discovered your purpose in your 20s or whatever, truly like a calling, a purpose, and then in your 40s, you're like, oh, no, I have a new why now. (laughs) Is that like, is that okay? It's just like life changes. People change. Um, Our our motivations and drives might change as we learn more about ourselves in the world. Or, Or do you think of that as being like, well, I was on one path and now I'm on another? I, gosh, there's a lot in that question, Laura. Yeah. I mean, I think that our, I do appreciate seasons and cycles and say, man, I was driven towards this because of this reason for a while. And now it's gone. I mean, what if I, you know, get to a point and realize, you know what, this is a great run, but I'm tired of podcasting. I'm not there now, but maybe that'll happen at some point. And we, we Mm -hmm. so get into the inertia and think, man, especially if we put all this investment in and we built it up, we gotta do this forever. I'm going to be sitting here at 90, still podcasting. Probably not. Some point I'm going to, you know, tire of doing this and go to something else. Now there's still going to be a core value, my desire to have purpose and to have meaning in people's lives. I mean, that's, that's going to continue, but I can do that in other ways. I have done that in other ways in the past. And I made, you know, veer towards, I probably will to just more writing, more books um, at some point, but a bigger answer, I really feel like to your question is, you know, we ultimately, just what I said, are we're driven by what, you know, what motivates us, which is our values and that those can change and they probably should change. Now, not our morals and ethics necessarily, but what our values are in life. I had Arthur Brooks on the show not long ago and his new book, Strength to Strength is pretty significant because he's talking about our first half of life and second half of life. And in essence, he doesn't say it in those, in those exact words, but yeah, our, 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 in, our desires change and that should be okay. Now we, we were trying to accumulate, you know, and build and grow. And now, I mean, I'm 52 and I'm finding that there's a lot of stuff in, I don't want to build and grow some of those things, some things I do, but I want to do, I want some more margin and more creative time and some more, like he talks about working in crystallized knowledge and so I'm, I'm looking at that and honoring that. And then the aspect of belief is the other one that is the most, has the most gravity for me is we build our lives on what we believe. How can we not? That's all we know. But in my hopeful maturity and some wisdom to be able to take my beliefs out and realize, you know, my beliefs back to what you talked about are, are such a product of my upbringing, what I grew up with, what I was exposed to, what I wasn't exposed to. And if I'm a confident human, I should be able to take those beliefs and set them out on the table and realize, you know, a lot of those were not fact. They were built around mm. stories that I created, meaning that I attributed to those things. So if I really want wisdom, 
I should be able to put those out on the table and say, let's, let's poke at that. And let's talk about that. And I've seen some of my beliefs that I look at and go, gosh, what I was so certain about, especially those certainties, those black and whites, I can't make a case for anymore. And that's scary. That's scary and can be confusing. And I found myself kind of in no man's land with some of that. I'm finding some footing in that area, but that's, that's hard. So yeah, talking about the drive, I do think that a lot of the methodologies especially can change and the values can as well on some, on some pretty deep levels still. Well, and what I think your book does is ask us to re-examine some of those things. You know, it's easier to just be like on autopilot and be like, well, this is what I believe, or this is what my why is. This is my purpose. I do feel like I was called to something when I was young, or I, or I found a lot of drive in, you know, one thing over another, you know, making money or, or something like that. And then, and then we never re-examine it. You know what I mean? Like we go through our life and we never get to a point because it seems hard and vulnerable and time consuming and maybe life changing Mm -hmm. to really be honest with yourself and be like, am I still motivated by this? Or is this still the path that I want to be on? Or did I fulfill that calling? And now there's something else for me. Like we don't even want to ask ourselves that because that's a very scary question, actually. It is. It is, Laura. It really is. I mean, I had a guy on the show, Jordan Grummet, a couple couple weeks ago, actually. He's a doctor. So he's a medical doctor and he went in, you know, of course, medical doctor. I mean, the, look at the investment of time and money. I mean, you're not really rolling until you're like 30 and you've got a gigantic amount of debt. And the guy gets into it and realizes, oh man, I don't like this. I mean, you, nobody wants to question that. You said, now I'm just going to go plow it out for the next, you know, however many years till I can get out of this. Thank goodness he changed his his role in that. But yeah, again, I think we feel like that in so many areas and it's so, it is, it's unsettling to lose your mm-hmm. footing on those certainties that we have, especially when it comes to our values and our beliefs. But when you find out and you got to admit that some of them, they're just not serving me well. Well, then mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Stick in them? And so I have gone, I literally, I mean, even through the book, um, I wasn't finished with the book when I was still feel like I was, I was in some pretty unsettling territory for myself that I feel like I'm better on now, but it's not better because I've resolved it all. I've probably gotten a little more comfortable with the mystery, you know, if you want to say, and with some of those, uh, uncertainties and the, and you know, life is so contextual and now Mm -hmm. taking that one one truth works in this setting, but not in this setting, which is, I mean, you know, this is an, uh, as old a topic as, as there is. This is in the Bible. You know, we got that, but we did that poorly with religion when we tried to set parameters and black and whites around that. You and I talked about that some in my show. So yeah, I feel for people. I want to look at all this compassionately. I really do. And I do want people to look through with some grace for themselves. But yeah, as you said, with let's take, let's take, let's take some permission Let's just take a deep breath and have some permission to question some of those things that we have set our, you know, set our, our, our flag on, uh, that, uh, maybe has imprisoned us instead of Mm -hmm. is serving us well. Okay. Two other things or two big things that I want to talk about that I think that was important in your book. One was, and I just highlighted these, I was going to read them out loud. If you don't mind me reading your words to you. (laughs) No, you can remind me what I wrote. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) So early, early in the book, you say, we must stop viewing drive and driven people as accidentally or luckily falling into this great power while everyone else is sitting around with the short end of the stick or hoping something significant will happen to them and they'll miraculously become driven. 
The reality is that many healthfully driven people simply manufactured their drive like Tony Stark and are living Iron Man lives today. Nobody mm-hmm. needs to wait for drive to happen to them. And this this struck me because I do think that there's sort of a popular idea out there about, oh, well, some people are just driven and some people are not. Now, I do think that that some people have more energy than others. Some people have like they put more value in productivity than others or something. It's not that I don't think there's a personality part to this, obviously, but I liked that you said like we all are driven by something, even those of us who have no outside, you know, thing that we could categorize as like accomplishment or, you know, whatever, that they're just driven by something differently, but it's still a certain type of drive. Will you, oh, and, and drive is available to everyone. That's the other part of this. We could, we have drive available. We can't sort of look at, well, shrug my shoulders. I guess I'm just not a driven person and then call it a day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're, you're opening up a lot there And, and yeah, I, I do feel like uh, here's where here's one of the places it started for me, Laura, one aspect of that somebody uh, being a pro athlete and and now, you know, a lifetime athlete, I still compete at, a, at an elite level and, you know, with health and wellness and stuff. So I get people attribute to me discipline, you know, Kevin, you're so disciplined. I wish I was as disciplined as you are. So I had a guy say that one time to me and I was just, yeah, yeah you know, that's, that's sweet, I guess, whatever. But I was thinking about this guy and and then I heard a story about him. And what struck me is he's giving that label to me because it's so obvious, you know, health and wellness and, and being fit and trim and whatever, and being an athletic or something, athletic uh, type person, I get that. And yet I looked at him and I got aware of his finances. Dude's a rock star. And I, and I turned mm. around and said, Dick, if I, I wish I was disciplined too. I wish I was disciplined like you in your area. Of, of what you enjoy and appreciate what comes easy to you, what you may not have any handicaps in money has always been a problem for me. I've always struggled with that. And I am not disciplined in that even today. Oh, I guess I am. I'm disciplined by having other people take care of it. I still don't do it well <laughs> myself. I, I, I just pay them. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, but that we attribute what we give, you know, accolades to even that the aspect of being driven, we call driven people, uh, those who are working towards something that we as a culture would deem as positive and productive. And mm-hmm. yet I think some of the most driven people are drug addicts or criminals. You know, they're going to kill to do what they need to do. They're highly driven. It's just towards something that we're not going to give accolades to. And they're, they're driven. Um, and even to the, to the point of being lazy. And I'll tell you, this is something I learned. What is today? This week, Laura, uh, I had, uh, I had someone on the show. Her name's Britt Frank. She's a therapist. She has a book called the science of stuck. And she talked about, she really gets into laziness. And I had heard this before. Even Zig Ziglar talks about laziness. I think he says something like there's no lazy people, just unmotivated people. Uh, but she said most lazy people, it's unresolved trauma. There's something specific that's keeping them from doing what they want to do. And it's driving them to stay on the couch and, Yet they don't need to sit around like you talked about and open this part up with waiting for some big thing to happen for the most of them. When you hear the story, when they do get driven, if they do, it's because there was a slow dawning and a slow realization. And they looked around and said, this isn't going anywhere. And they just changed. Now, some never do. And you could say, so they're never driven. I would say, I think Britt Frank would say, no, they never, they never dealt with their trauma. They never mm-hmm. looked at this. So you can stay in that place of never putting your drive you know, engaging it in, in a sense, 
but I just don't think that, yeah, they're left. They were born without any, I, I don't ever right. see that. Cause I, I've seen too many of those people and something happens, some little inciting incident. Usually it's little, it's not huge, little or huge though. And then they change things seemingly overnight and the drive was there. They just mm -hmm. hadn't tapped into, and some may never, they may never do that. They never, may never tap in. I think that's why people like you and I get excited about the opportunity to go out and influence and hopefully find that little trigger for them. Just find mm -hmm. that little trigger. And that's why I do appreciate people who are tuning into stuff like this consistently. Something's going to resonate with them and they'll find mm -hmm. that thing that goes, oh, there it is. I had a guy testify to my book recently. He says, I've looked at so much. He's morbidly obese. He said, I've looked at so many things on this and none of them ever struck me like your message did. Uh, well, great. I don't know why, yep. you know, how great. We need another flavor, another thing in the right time. Who knows? And then boom. And, and now he's, he feels driven towards his health and wellness. Thank goodness. And maybe some of those people that that we're talking about, they are driven by safety. They are driven by staying small. They are driven by staying in their own little bubble that they've created of, you know, being in their home or, or you know, not putting themselves out there, not actively trying for something because that feels unsafe or scary or too vulnerable for people. So the drive is to stay small. And, and then it, you know, and then they hopefully, if, you know, something happens that maybe realizes that that's not serving them or not serving the world or not really how they want to live their life. Can, can I, I'll speak to that real quick, uh, Laura. Yeah. And I thought about it when you talked earlier about trying to just, you know, chill out and whatever, and realizing that, man, you just can't, you got to have a destination. So this came up, I think it was an interview that I was in and I got to thinking about, you know, my drive. So let's, let me take a, a mountain. So I'm, I, I love mountain biking. I take off on trails here from my house and I go, and again, I was a professional cyclist. So I'm out there and I'm, I can move along pretty fast and I enjoy it. I love it. It's flow for me. And yet I can get in prison to going fast. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wearing my little wearable device and I'm looking at my time for the thing. And I'd really like to set a new PR. That's where I get almost stuck in. That was my drive to go faster, uh, to, you know, the finish line in essence. And now I'm literally working to change my drive because right now, I'm not going for any gold medals. I'm not winning money anymore. There's not really any reason to go out there and kill it all the time. And what my body and my mind needs is me to chill out in essence and to find some peace. And so I'm switching my drive. I, I did this the other day, switching my drive as I'm racing along, blowing the petals off the flowers instead of smelling them and, uh, and stop, Kevin, stop, stop, lay the bike down, sit on a rock, look at the lake, look at Pike's peak, look at the awe that you're within, let that sink in. You need that drive right now to serve you better so that mm. you can lower your pulse rate, lower your heart rate. You can contemplate, which I love. I love being contemplative. Enjoy this, you know, get back on the bike in 10 minutes or, 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 or one minute or an hour and go kill yourself if you want to go nuts, you know, but you need this drive. So I'm still driven, but I'm looking and auditing. What do I most need? What do I most want? And so I'm changing my drive. And sometimes it's the, the slow down to speed up type thing, which I'm, I'm looking at now. And it's hard to put the one, you know, sword down and pick up a different one, but I'm working on that either way. It's coming from the same amount of drive. I'm just looking at what do I want to drive towards? Well, I'm so glad you said that because this has been part of my thing this summer that I'm going to keep talking about is that Please. in identifying that I needed a destination, one of the things that I've also realized, and I realized this kind of working with a business coach, actually, is that 
one of the reasons I have felt discontent or I have felt like I was behind or on the wrong path or all of these sort of things that I've been wrestling with a little bit was that I am convinced I was measuring the wrong thing. So there are certain things that we're taught to measure. And in the, and in the work that you and I do, it's like very obvious things. It's how many downloads you get, how many followers you have, how much money you make. And I kind of, for a long time, didn't mind any of that because I can kind of gamify it. Like, oh, how many downloads can I get on this? Like, how can I right. gain followers? Whatever. It's Sometimes it's fun to chase that or to set a goal and then achieve it or whatever. It's, that's part of the fun of business. But I realized because there really is no destination there. I mean, you could get infinite, you know, infinity downloads, infinity followers. You could make a lot of money. And that those things that I was sort of consistently measuring because they're traditional business things to measure, they were really making me unhappy. Now, I... You have to measure some of those things like it is a job. It is business. But sort of like chasing them, I I was talking to my business coach and she was like, okay, well, what do you want to measure? And I was like, I think what I want to measure is output. It is better for me to measure. And this is sort of a discipline thing, actually, because this this goes to the um, discipline part of drive that I need is I was like, instead of chasing something external, I need to chase right now. I need to measure my output. Like I want to write something original every day. I want Mm. to have done something, you know, I want to have a streak of days where I eat well or exercise every day or whatever it is. I need to measure my output instead of measuring these external um, markers. Mm -hmm. I think when you measure your output, then you, you will hit the markers in some ways, but I wasn't even measuring how I was getting to any of my markers. I was just clawing at numbers. And that's the complete wrong drive. I was in the wrong drive. (laughs) (laughs) It was the, you know, the example that, that, um, I, I actually thought that I kind of wrote it, but then, uh, maybe I did, but somebody else came up with it too. And it's been in the past couple of weeks too. Everything that I relate to is, you know, a conversation I just had. Cause like you, I'm talking with such awesome people all the time. And it was that idea of if, for those who know what a manual car is, which less and less people know anymore, a stick shift, you know, you're going along in first gear and you're redlined. And if you keep doing that, you're going to overheat, you're going to blow the engine, whatever. And to get in the second, the next gear, what do you do? You have to take off the, let your foot off the gas, totally, completely off the gas and push the clutch in. There's a pause, that pause, that deep breath to get us into second gear. And what is that pause? So I love that. you saying, what am I measuring? And sometimes I need to pause, like I said, stop and sit by the lake, uh, and, and give your, your emotions a pause and your anxiety and your, yeah, all, all that a pause so that you can, maybe that's it. Maybe I just need the pause or it may be cause I want to get in second gear. Cause I still want that, you know, I still want to achieve things, but that pause and that word you use clawing at that's the, I'm trying to look at the red flags of when do I know I'm getting a dangerous ground. And you talked about measuring. Yeah. I wear uh, you know, a, a wearable device and I look every morning at my sleep score and my body battery because I want to see them. I want to see that I'm recovered. Do I have Mm -hmm. reserves? Do I have what's in me to be creative today? And, and just to understand, you know, how and why I'm feeling what I am. But man, the first thing I I thought of when you said that, Laura, 
questioning what we measure. It was Robert Waldinger on the show. And if anybody hasn't seen his, he's got a, if you type in Robert Waldinger, Ted talk or the good life, he has a Ted talk that's been listened to on YouTube. I think it's like 45 million views. And then on Ted, there's another 20 million or something. Wow. But he, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And he did a study on happiness, but I had him back on the show to co-host with me, co-host another show uh, not long ago. And I asked him something about goals, destinations, achievements, the words we, we keep talking about. And he says, you know, I'm at a time of life where I'm not as, he says, I still have things I want to do, but I'm not as motivated maybe, or focused on the destination as hardcore as I used to. Now I'm more focused on just the path that I'm on. Am I enjoying the path? So here's X that I want to get to, but am I enjoying the path along the way, whether I make it to the destination or not? And I looked at that and thought, man, how often do I sit there and claw away as you talk about towards this thing? And sometimes we may not make it to that thing. I, I was reading recently that generally, you know, after the four months of it takes and this gigantic event to get to the top of Mount Everest, generally you're only going to stay about 15 minutes on the top of Mount mm. Everest. So if you went for that 15 minutes and it's just not the most God blessed thing you've ever experienced, you know, and, and all the rest of it sucked, that's. That's a hard way to go, man, to get to that. I, I'm, I want to make sure that whatever I'm going towards, I'm actually enjoying the journey because I may never make it there. Or if you get up there, I, I live on the top of a mountain and I mean, it's cool, but honestly, all the fun's getting up here, all the best trails, the best discoveries, the best scenes and stuff. It's really getting up here. Once you're up here, it's kind of like, I, you know, I think all the animals more down there hanging out where there's more people and stuff up here. It's, it's not as much happening. And it's such a good analogy for me to look at and go, hey to make sure I'm enjoying the journey. Uh, yes. That may be all you get. And that's where you spend the most time. And anybody who's achieved much, you've realized that a lot of those achievements, I mean, not to diminish them, but they're so often anticlimactic. I, I need to hold on to that. Yes. Well, that's adjacent actually for me deciding to measure output because mm -hmm. when I was achieving a goal, sort of like your Everest example, I was just like, okay, well, what's the next thing? It, it felt yeah. like an empty high. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't able to fully pat myself on the back. I wasn't fully able to like enjoy the metaphorical view. Like I just was like, okay, I did it. Now what? Because I was clawing at the actual achievement. When I said that I wanted to measure output, I realized that that's sort of adjacent to what you're saying of like, it's still, it's still productive because I feel good when I go to bed and have had a productive day, yeah. but measuring a daily output or a weekly output for me, is my way of enjoying the journey instead of measuring how I'm going to get there. Like if I can enjoy writing for an hour every day or whatever it is that I've decided to measure, because I'm still sort of yeah. toying with it. I think I'm going to try a few different things to see what, what feels good to measure on a regular basis instead of only measuring a peak that you meet once a year or less. That was just so unsatisfying for me, but I couldn't figure out why, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to climb, climb Mount Everest. And I couldn't figure out why climbing Mount Everest was not it for me. Like yeah. book, book launch day was not it for me. And that yeah. is supposed to be the Everest. I enjoyed writing my book and I enjoy doing a weekly podcast, which is just a, a weekly trudge, a weekly thing that I do that I actually like. That brings more fulfillment to me 
than releasing a book, even though I'm glad I wrote the book. I, this is It's not a commentary on that. It's sort of just like noticing, yeah, those 15 minutes at Everest, that's not it for me. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know it's, it's, uh, you know, again, I like, it's amazing how caught up we get in our own expectations for ourselves. And I've done that, Laura. And I think a lot of people like us do, and you get imprisoned to it. And, and I've had to just back off, go, man, I do not have to do that. If it's not giving me joy and it's not going to save the world, you know, I got to get, uh, take things, taking things lightly. I'm trying to grow that drive of taking things lightly and, being lighthearted and yeah, realizing that too. I mean, the book, I mean, you know, you, you wrote a book, you're doing a book. Everybody always said, oh, it's so hard. And I looked at it, dude, I write all the time. It can't be that hard. Man, it's stupid hard, especially if you go with a big <laughs> publisher. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. And the day that I got, they sent me the box of the first galley copies, you know, so you get those. And it wasn't long after that, that I got the hard copies and, and neither time, um, it was almost, it almost felt like a hassle. I mean, I'm supposed to be celebrating and it just felt like, oh, it's something else to deal with. I'm, I'm kind of busy and I was kind of busy doing stuff that I enjoyed, you know, writing new content or planning my next, you know, weekend getaway to go mountain biking or something like that. And just realizing that, yeah, if that was it, if I had everything banked on this achievement of writing a book and it's going to be a bestseller and change the world or whatever that, uh, and I didn't enjoy the process that would have been really sad. Gratefully, I did enjoy the process. I got a lot out of it. If, if the book never sold one copy, I've learned so much, even about my own drive and about the concept. I get to talk about it on the show and, and doing this, you know, whatnot. So if the book sells a hundred copies or a hundred million, I, you know, okay. I mean, of course I want it to do well. I mean, I hope it helps people. I love getting the testimonies that, that it's meant something uh, to someone, but yeah, man, coming back to that, enjoying it's so pithy to say, but my gosh, I, I, it'd be one of those questions. Like people ask, if you could tell your younger self, you know, X, Y, Z, that might be top of the list is Kevin mm-hmm. and just enjoy what you're, if you don't enjoy what you're doing today towards whatever goal, maybe ditch the goal. And that doesn't mean I'm not a big fan of the, you know, find the work you love. You'll never work another day in your life. It's all play. I think that's BS. Um, uh, anything, anything worth doing is going to be hard like that. Writing a book, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to do another one with a big publisher. It's going to be a pain in the butt, a lot of it, but I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy the writing part of it. And I'm going to do a better job of delegating some of the other crap, but, uh, I do want to make sure I'm enjoying it overall. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and, yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. 
Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. It's hard to talk about, though, honestly, because I can imagine people are listening to us and are just like super annoyed that we're saying this about having Probably. written our books. That is people's dream. I mean, but I think that this is true in whatever industry or whatever a person's life looks like when you finally achieve a thing that to the outside world looks amazing. You get a promotion. You win an award. You have some high-profile achievement. And, you know, how annoying is it for you to say, like, you know, for people to be like, yeah, this wasn't it for me. But I am talking about it here because I want people to realize that what we see in other people's successes is not even 15 minutes at Everest. It's just a glimpse of everything that went into that success or or whatever that motivates them is so internal. So our drive is internal. And when we are focused on too much external drive. This is what your book says. This is what I'm learning myself is a miss. It's a misalignment when yeah. you're not looking inward about your about yeah. what what truly motivates you, what your true purpose is. I like how you write in the book about like asking yourself, do you really like this thing? Or, you know, like really examining. We don't. We don't examine it. And you also talk about this is the next thing I want to get to. You write about like three common things that can derail us from our inner drive. You talk about victim mentality, scarcity. I can't remember the third thing, but I thought that was a a really interesting thing too, that we all fall prey to in our own ways, I think. Do you want to see more about that? There is. Yeah. I, I, I have it in the book in each chapter in each of these categories, as we go through these seven key areas of life, the, the primary roadblocks, like what are the things that we see just culturally, not for everybody, but culturally, what are the primary things that, that derail us? You know, and a lot of it is cultural expectations. I, I realized this, Laura, it was uh, years ago. I helped I partnered with a guy, a doctor, and and co-founded a functional medicine practice. So he was a medical doctor, you know, an insurance model, but he was devoted to functional medicine, really getting to the root cause issues, which takes a lot of time. And so we converted his his practice to a cash based uh, model where he can go deep with with people. And so here he is talking with somebody. Okay, so he, this here's a person comes in, they've got these problems. And they're going deep and it may require some changes in their life. Like you're going to have to stop eating these things and, and, and eat in a different way. You may need to stop being sedentary and go exercise. You may need to start, start and stop in different things, but it's lifestyle change. And what I realized is, you know, most of those people left up to themselves and themselves alone would pretty much do it. I mean, they have the motive, they're hurting, they're in some kind of pain and they generally mm. have the motive to do it. And looking at why don't they, and so often what we would find is it was the pressures when they left the office and they go out and they go back home to a spouse who may not be on board with that lifestyle change. They're a meat and potatoes type person, you know, or a, or kids who don't want to eat that way or the office who, you know, gets together and, and has, you know, pizza and beer after work and, and you're wanting to abstain and it's pressure, pressure. And it's, it's just, we want to belong too much. Um, I think it was, uh, 
gosh, back to Arthur Brooks. And he talked about that. Gosh, am I getting my people mixed up? But somebody said, we know it wasn't, it was Vienna Farron, author of oh. the origins of you. And she said that we will choose, even from our youth, we will choose attachment over authenticity. It was Vienna Farron. We will choose attachment over authenticity. Now she's saying that is youth, but then it goes on into, into that. So here you are wanting to change your life around, pursue uh, health and wellness, get healthier, feel better, all these things that, that, are, that are all great, positive things. And yet to do that, to, to live, to eat differently, to go on a walk during your lunch break, instead of, you know, going to the fast food place with all your friends, that's hard. And, mm-hmm. and we don't give that as much gravity and making the changes is hard. And, you know, so yeah, that's, that's a huge roadblock. And those, look at those expectations. So anywhere where we're going forward to get that on the table, we say, what's going to be the biggest handicap for me in trying to do X, Y, Z and trying to go after that is uh, so, uh, I think that's, that's wisdom, you know, is get, let's get the cards on the table and look at what do we really, let's audit what we want. Why do I want it? Do I really know why? Am I really in agreement with, with what, with what I say? And I think usually our first why is false. We got to get about five levels of why before we get to the real why. And, and to do that, it, it's hard. It's work most people don't, don't want to do. And, and I struggle with it too. It's a daily thing to look at again today. What do I really want? Am I really in agreement with why? But when you get those things in alignment, you don't need to go after all the motivation and inspiration. You, you pretty much get resolute there. That's, that is something that I appreciate. You don't need a rah, rah event every day to get your, get yourself pumped up for something that would be actually, I think that's sometimes a red, a red flag. If you've got to pump yourself up that much to do something, I want to question that's what you really want. And if you know, it's really driving you for it. Mm -hmm. And I like that word alignment of if you have a pretty solid why, or if you feel like you are on this right path, that you've been driven onto this right path, then a lot of the things line up. One of the things that we talked about back on your show in the spring was that I felt like I said, I live from the neck up, that my body, and maybe always, maybe my whole life, but especially lately as I age, I'm noticing more, is such a a side note for me. Like I'm like, if I'm just going to pick and choose the things in which I'm doing well, my health is the thing that I've like punted. I'm prioritizing thing, good things. I'm prioritizing my parenthood. I'm prioritizing relationship, my career, thoughtful, nice things. But other things are getting like totally punted. As I'm on this journey for myself this summer, I'm sort of realizing that this is this is a whole being. You write about this. You can't separate your mind and your body as much as we want yeah. to. That these that you can't live like that. You have like when you are. It doesn't mean that every single goal in every, every, every area of your life will be achieved at all times and that, you know, angels will sing every day, but that things are in general more aligned. Like if you can, if you feel fulfilled or really on the right path in one way, it seems like other things also kind of fall in, in, you know, your relationships get better. Your health gets better. Like all of these things get better when you, when you, when one thing gets better in some ways, instead of how I have lived for a long time and how I know people listening will relate to this. It's a roller coaster of one thing's going really well and one thing is in the dirt and we don't know how to reconcile those things. So we just don't even try when there, we do have the ability to try and even things out that this like peaks and valleys, daily peaks and valleys is actually not sustainable and doesn't feel good to have like one thing be amazing and then 
your home life suck or whatever. You know, it's yeah, it it doesn't feel good. It's it's infuriating. Yeah, I mean that that was that was me. You know, let's let's take my my two ends of the spectrum: health and wellness. Well, I I going outside and doing my exercise is playtime. You know how privileged am I? But I mean, it, it is. I, it's just I've always done that, and I to get on the get on my bike and take off down my driveway or put on some running shoes is just playtime. And and my health and wellness, you know, that comes easy for me. How frustrating when I think, you know, money. What do I? Well, I want money. I want I want to make money. I want to take care of my family. And then the struggles that I've had there, and I feel like I'm doing the right things. Okay, I'm going to follow you know the Dave Ramsey plan or the whatever you know it may be or or invest here. Uh, I'm going to invest in real estate. All my friends are investing in real estate or stock market or whatever and doing these things. And that it's not, it's not working out is infuriating because I know that, you know, back to the, I'm driven, I'm disciplined, I'm whatever we you are here and over here. Well, I think I'm doing it over here and to find out, yeah, but something, what the heck is handicapped me? Why do I keep sabotaging this over here? And that was me getting to the heart of uh, like with money of what's really driving me. I say I want money, but if you look at my trajectory of all the businesses I've started and sabotage or quit or walked away from, apparently I don't because I had somebody tell me, he said, Kevin, you run your business like a ministry. Uh, whoa, you know what? I, and it took a lot of work and there's a long story behind there of, of, of a past trauma, you can say. And I did not want to be about the money. I didn't think money is bad, but I don't want to be about the money. I don't want to be about the fame. I don't want to be about the ego. I want people to think I'm all about heart and I'm about care. Well, I ran my businesses that way and, and I ran them like a ministry and, it, and we didn't, you know, I sabotaged. There's never a financial plan, never a, a, a focus there. And it wasn't until I looked at that and saw what was really driving me. What was really driving me? I say, I want money. But what's really driving me is to, is to not make money and not be about the money. Well, that's what happened. And we weren't about money. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I cured that and I had somebody say, look, Kevin, are you, are you helping people in your work? Yes. Have you always been helping people in work? Yes. Are you going to keep helping people in work? Yes. All right. Well, you just put that aside and now actually make some money at it so you can keep doing it. And I, okay. And it's been a long process of getting over that and realizing now, no, I do. I do want, I want money because it's, uh, it shows that I'm providing value for people and it helps me feed my family and it helps me keep doing this. I had a great business uh, years ago that I finally burned out on and walked away from that a lot of people testify that it helped change their lives, but it about killed me. And so I didn't keep going. So that lack of understanding and lack of health stopped it. So it doesn't exist anymore. It's not helping those people anymore. Well, that's a shame. And that was a result of me not knowing what was driving me in that area. I was out of alignment, you know, as we use that term in this. And so, yeah, that's the work of finding, okay, if I can be in alignment in one area, I can find it in another one, but I got to get clear mm -hmm. on what's happening. Okay. Wait, I was going to wrap us up, but now I have to know more about this story. <laughs> Dude, that, that's like 95% of my shows, man. Okay. We're, this is, this has gone on long enough, but I do want to ask you about that. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> so because I'm really relating to this too, of running your, running your business, like it's a nonprofit and that yeah. I know I have weird hangups from, from childhood, from religion, from, you know, cultural things about, about making money in certain ways. I just, I know I have success. It's not always about money. Sometimes it's also about success, like a status thing or something. Yeah. And when the person said to you, 
stop. You have to change the way you're thinking about this. Well, was it like a light bulb moment or was it like you just had to do what you had to do and and like mentally you made the changes to make money and you just hoped your spirit would get on board (laughs) or what? Yeah, gosh, that's a good question. It wasn't a light bulb moment. I think initially I felt probably a little ashamed, honestly. Cause I want to be, I want to be driven and I want it to work out and, and to realize it wasn't probably felt some shame in that. Laura, I had, I had a friend, one of my closest friends, you know, here I was, um, this past business I was just talking about was one of helping people pursue self-employment to transition from traditional employment to self-employment. And he, at one point, as I was just being manic in my work, he says, dude, is this, he's, he said it better than this. He said it very tactfully, but in my mind, it's, it's, it doesn't feel that way. But he says, is that really the example that you want to show people and your kids that being an entrepreneur is this harried, crazy, chaotic mess? <sighs> no. And I felt shame. I felt kind of ashamed of it initially. It wasn't a light bulb, but it was a, it was pretty stark, but it took me a while to let it sink in and then figure out now what, so what am I going to do? I don't want to mess with money, you know, back to the money thing. I don't want to, but what am I? going to do. And just to get real with what I really thought and realize, yeah, something bad is driving me. And I got clear on what that past trauma was and realized, okay, that wasn't, that wasn't a a truth of all mankind. That was something that I experienced and it it was bad. I'm not that person uh, or or those people who who did certain things and I can be different, but money's not bad. And I got to quit looking Mm -hmm. at it as, as that and making money is not bad. And uh, I do need to be out here and and earning an income. And so it was reconciling, reconciling another way of kind of coming back into an alignment. And, and really to come back to what we said, I'm still, yeah, I'm not motivated by money. I have struggles. I have unhealth, I think in there that I don't think I'll ever reconcile, Laura. I mean, I don't, I don't think to, and at this point I don't even expect to. So now I'm just looking at, okay, what does create good financial well-being? I need to do those things and I'm just going to hire it out. So I pay for it. So instead of t- keeping this money and doing anything, anything. I don't even, I don't budge. I don't do anything. I have a business partner now. I have a CPA. I have a bookkeeper, probably other people in the mix. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got a publisher. I've got a network for my podcast. I mean, I'm partnering in everything that I do to help me because at the end of the day, I'm not even that good of a businessman. My wife kindly pointed out one time, I'm just an artist. I like to create stuff, you know, and do it the way I want to necessitates me having my own business, but how's that? Okay. So you're an artist, you need a business, but you're not good at running a business. We'll get people to do that. I know it's easy to say, uh, it's really hard to do. It's taken me a long time and I'm still not perfect in it, but man, a lot of this is some, it's some hard reckoning, but it's you know, like anything of, of health. It's hard to, hard to start, hard to walk out sometimes, but man, then you, then when you see the fruit of it, it's, it's pretty tremendous. And I have to, I have to watch myself. of not feeling bad that it took me as long as it has, you know, I think we always feel that way. Well, I don't think just because drive is internal, our deepest drives are internal, that that means you can't accept or plan for help in other areas where you don't have the strength or whatever. Like you might hire a trainer, you might hire a doctor, you know, you go to therapist. Like there are ways that we help ourselves, right? Like if we're able and it doesn't, we've talked a lot about like drive being internal and finding your own purpose and you're the only one that can know. And that stuff is true, but that doesn't mean that then you have to go it alone forever. I mean, you're going to, you have to have partners. You have to have someone 
in my life, it's become really important to have people who remind me who I am, which, we which should reminds have a life, me. We should have a life council, Laura. Somebody <laughs> should write about that, you know? Is someone saying life council. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, you, you talk about it with friends, but if we look at every area, you know, in my book, I'm going along, uh, these key areas of life, like, you know, relationships and finances and work and, and whatever that, yeah, I need help in all those areas. Some, I don't need as much. I, I still have, I have guidance. I mean, I have a functional medicine doctor. He's my best friend. So it's, I'm cheating, but my health and wellness doesn't just come perfectly. Cause I'm just not that all knowing. I appreciate you saying that, man, we cannot see ourselves and I am an introvert. I am fairly egotistical and arrogant and I'm, 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 I'm well on the narcissist scale admittedly. And so I don't tend to seek out help. I just know I need it. Thankfully there's people like you talking about it and I know I need it. And so, yeah, you talk about mental health. I mean, that's a big, that's a whole chapter in my book is the mental health. I get help. I can't see myself. I can't figure out why the heck I'm thinking this and not thinking this and feeling this way. And so I have a therapist who I pay out of pocket and that's taken me so long to get there. And I wish I had done it 30 years ago or more. Uh, I got kids now that I'm trying to get them all seeing therapists now. I don't care if you're 15, man, start, start now. You need help. We all do in every area. So yeah, thank you for saying that. It, it is, it is so hard to figure ourselves out, even in the areas that I'm great with, like drive. And I can meet with somebody and talk about drive and I'm a rock star. Ask me about my own drive. That is so stinking hard. And I, I generally have to get help in being able to see myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's a perfect place to end. I've loved this talk so much. Will you tell listeners where they can find more of you, where they can listen to you, where they can buy your book? I know that they're going to want to seek you out after they hear us chatting about our drives yeah. for an hour. <laughs> Well, uh, you talking, I mean, you ended up talking about how we have to help ourselves. I have a podcast called Self Helpful. That's where I live, man. We, we, we're producing four episodes a week right now. And we do, we take somebody like you, like Laura Tremaine. If you have, if you haven't, go listen to my one on Laura, because you'll hear some stuff. I bet you, you haven't heard elsewhere because we do a four part series on everyone. So with Laura, like you, I talked about, uh, we did the main show talking about life counsel. And then I did a show talking about your values and what drives you on a personal level. And then my third show episode with you, I brought in somebody who I thought would resonate. And for you, it was Brianna Brown Keen. She's an actress that a lot of people will recognize. And she does a lot of work, especially with women and with networking groups and stuff. So I brought her in to talk about it. And then my fourth one was to go, okay, here's what Laura talked about. I heard mm -hmm. all this stuff. This is what I'm working on for myself. So self-helpful is the podcast and I have fun. And let me break like in you. here to tell yeah. the listeners that this is such an interesting podcast model that Kevin is doing. I don't know anyone who is doing podcasting in this way. They're like deep dives, but then you also get to hear his heart on this stuff. It's not just a casual interview or whatever. And like I talk sometimes, I, I like to share with my audience when people are doing anything like really different and sort of out of the box. And y'all, Kevin is doing something really different on his show. I think that you will get something out of it. You can start with my episodes if you want, but then branch out into the really amazing high, high caliber guests that he has. So I just want to plug that because I think you're doing something you. super special. Thank you. Well, go, yeah, go there to self-helpful and type, go look for Laura and hear some awesome conversations uh, with her. And if that feels good, you can, you can listen to more. Yeah. That'd be a gift. And yeah, the book is what drives you. So you can find that anywhere. If my publisher is doing their job. <laughs> I love it so much. Thank you so much for having this talk with me. It was awesome, oh, Kevin. My honor, Laura. Thank you. 
You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening. 